0: Did you come with a Bible this morning? If you did, I want to invite you to take it. turn to the Gospel of Luke, the 22nd chapter. While you're turning here, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that, you know, there are times when, uh, there are those times, I think, when you, you sit and you work on a sermon, and God's putting it on your heart, and you're just, you're rolling, and you're going, and then you wake up in the middle of the night before you're supposed to preach it. And you say, that's not how that's supposed to come out. Well, actually, you're not saying that. The Spirit of God's saying that to you. And, and you just kind of have to say, okay, folks, part of this is right and part of this is wrong. And so we're going to get our way through this. But understand to a large degree, we're going to be flying by the seat of our pants. All right? Because I just kind of feel like that's where God has taken us to. This morning, we're going to be looking in Luke chapter 22, and we're going to look at a couple of different passages, and there's a reason why, and you'll understand that as we unpack this, but I want us to look at Peter's denials. You know, I, I found myself looking at this chapter, reading this chapter, and thinking to myself, you know, it is a struggle sometimes to hold on to our faith. The world comes at us from a multitude of different directions. Our enemy is constantly bombarding us and working in our heads and in our hearts, trying to turn us from following our master. And because we're caught in this struggle, we need to understand something. And I've I've wrestled with this for many, many years. I hear people talking about, well, I'm doing battle with Satan. You better not be. Because you by yourself cannot do battle with Satan and win. Okay? You need to fall into the arms of Jesus and let him take care of the battle for you. We can certainly pray in Jesus' name against what the enemy is trying to do in our lives, and we ought to. We we have to come to Jesus and ask him to take care of our situations. Because we're not able. And as I was reading this chapter... Jesus is in the upper room with his closest friends. They're celebrating the Passover feast. It's just minutes, hours, before he's going to be betrayed and crucified. In the midst of all of that, there's all this other stuff going on. And I've, I've been reading this chapter repeatedly, it seems like, for a number of months and You know, there were all kinds of things going on. Jesus is preparing himself for the greatest test that any human being has ever had to face. And right next to him, in the same room, at the same table, his friends are debating over which one of them is the greatest. Who's the best? It's kind of like, who does he love more, me or you? He's trying to tell them about what lies ahead. They're not getting it. He told them he was going to suffer. He told them that one of them was going to betray him into the hands of his enemies. He even told Peter that he was going to go through some personal testing. And Peter, in response to that, like so many of us, said, bring it. Lord, I'll follow you to the very end. I'll go to jail with you. I'll die for you. Bring it. Little did he know what was ahead of him. I want us to read and see kind of what happens in this situation. And I want us to try to discover the keys, the keys that are there for us as we struggle to stay strong in our faith. Because I want you to know it is not easy. I want you to know that I understand it's not easy. Every day we walk out into a world that is going to attack. We every day go out and face an enemy who is after us as God's children. And we're trying to stay strong. How's that happen? Let's look. Luke chapter 22, if you've got your Bible, find that place, find verse 31. Once you've found that, if you can, Will, I'm going to invite you to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. We're going to read together verses 31 and 32 and then drop down to verse 54 and read on from there. They're in the upper room and, and the Lord has been telling them about all the things that are going to happen in the near future. In verse 31, he says, Simon, Simon, he's talking to Peter. Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. Now, if you would, drop down to verse 54 and pick up the reading with me. They've they've concluded their time in the upper room. They've gone out to Gethsemane. Jesus has prayed, agonized in the garden. At the end of that time, a mob of people arrived, guards, and at the forefront, Judas. And they came to arrest Jesus. And Luke tells us this, then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. And Peter followed at a distance. But when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. The servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also were one of them. Man, I'm not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord that had been spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning I I ask you to bless the reading of your word. And I pray that you would guide my thoughts. That you would open our minds and hearts to the truth we need to see here. And Father, help us to realize that the struggle is real. The enemy is real. The battle is real. But the victory has been won. Father, teach us, call us this morning to, to lean into you to claim your strength. Father, I pray that if there's someone here who doesn't know you, that today they would understand the depth of your love and concern for them, uh, the price that you were willing to pay to redeem them. And Father, for your children, I pray that today would be a day of, of hope and assurance as we realize that we do not face the battle alone. Teach us your truth, Father. Father. Well, we're ready to learn. But well, we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Certainly, as you read this chapter, you understand this was a night of pain. It was a night of pain for Jesus. It was a night of pain for Peter. You know, it just intrigues me because I, I read this. In Peter's failure, he, he goes out and, and into the night and wept bitterly. He goes out as a wounded, broken, doubt-filled follower of Jesus. But I've read this book, and I know how things turned for Peter. He was restored to his place. He he was restored to the ministry. He was restored to kingdom service. He he becomes a spokesman for the first century church. In fact, not very long after this, at the day of Pentecost, Peter preaches one of the most marvelous sermons recorded in all of Scripture, And, and thousands of people believed in Jesus because of that message and the moving of the Spirit of God. How is it that you go from going out into the night and weeping bitterly to being this victorious spokesman for the church. I think the keys are right here. We don't have to look anywhere else. They're right here. And so if you've got your Bible open, I want to encourage you, to keep it open and just walk with me through this. And let's see what happened that allowed Peter to experience such a bitter defeat and yet emerge from it victorious. Now, I know that that may not sound like a whole lot to you, but it does to me because, folks, I want to tell you something. I've experienced some bitter defeats. I've had those moments when I have hung my head and said, Lord, I don't know how you can possibly use me. I've had those moments when I've walked away from, from a church. I've walked away from, from a, a meeting. I've walked away from a situation and thought, I'm done. I, I may as well just go ahead and go back to painting houses or driving a truck. Or, or I'm, not, I'm not fit. And yet somewhere in the quiet, the Lord speaks, and he begins to move, and healing comes, and restoration comes. I don't, I don't take it for granted. I'm so thankful for it. And I think this is kind of what Peter's experience was on this night. And what happened to him, for him, with him, in him, in the days to come. And I I just want us to look at it for a few moments together. And I, I want to show you the things that I believe make all the difference in Peter's life. And they still make a difference in our lives today. And I want to start by asking you to recognize the Lord's intercession for Peter. You see, the Lord said to Peter in those first verses we looked at, verses 31 and 32, he started out saying, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Now, I just want to pause right there because I want to tell you something. I want you to understand something today, okay? Satan is not an evil God. Satan is evil, but there is only one God. Satan is a created being. And Satan cannot do in your life anything that the Lord does not allow him to do. And I've said that before, and people say, Well, I don't agree with that. I think he can do whatever he will. No, he cannot. If you read the book of Job, one of the things that you find out very early at the beginning is that Satan had to get God's permission in order to bring trials and tribulations and difficulty into the life of God's man in order that God could be glorified by Job proving that he would be faithful no matter what. And here is Jesus saying, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Now, Having said all of that, let me just share something with you because I don't want you to wake up in the middle of the afternoon from your nap and say, wait a minute. Yes, this does mean that the things you go through, the things you experience, even the bad things, God is taking them and he's using them to mold you, to shape you. He allows you to struggle. He allows you to have to fight. He allows Satan to throw those things out in front of you in order to help you become what he wants you to be. This is what God does. But then I want you to see what it says right after that in verse 32. But I have prayed for you, Simon. I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail the lord interceded on behalf of him can i just tell you something jesus is just as concerned about the troubles and the trials and the temptations that you and i face today as he was with what peter was facing on that day and i make that same people me, man you're you're really making a reach out of scripture no i'm not Because if you look over in John chapter 17, when Jesus was in Gethsemane and he was praying that same very same night, John records in verse 20, Jesus' words, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for all those who will believe in me through their message. How did you come to believe in Jesus? Through the message of those disciples, wasn't it? Through the gospel of Jesus Christ? Yeah, that's how we come to believe. It doesn't just poof, happen one day. No, we believe because of the testimony that has been passed down from those first believers through the centuries until it finally arrived at us and our faith was born. Jesus has already interceded for us. But I'm not going to stop there. Because I want to drive this point home. I want you to understand something. He's still interceding for you and for me. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25, talking about Jesus, says that he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Whenever we are struggling, whenever we are battling, whenever we are trying to make it through, we need to understand we have an advocate. We have an intercessor who is at the right hand of the Father, and he is interceding for us, just as he interceded for Peter. Now, listen, Peter lost his battle with temptation. He did. He failed that night. He failed that evening. He failed in the test. But his faith did not fail. And that's what Jesus said. I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith will not fail. Oh, he failed in the moment. Just a quick question. Unscientific survey. Any of y'all ever fail in the moment? Okay, a few honest people in the room. But Jesus gave Peter a commission even before the temptation, even before the failure knowing that he was going to fall, knowing that he would be restored. He said, here, you're going to become a leader again in the group, Peter. It's just your personality. It's your character. It's your skill set. It's your giftedness. Here's what I want you to do. After the crisis has passed, after you've been brought back into the place, I want you to encourage your brothers. Strengthen your brothers again. When you've turned back, when you you come back to the place you now hold, strengthen your brothers. See, the Lord knew what was going to happen in Peter's life. He prayed for him. He interceded for him. I want you to know, just as the Lord interceded for Peter, the Lord intercedes on your behalf as his child. So even though you may fail in the moment, that doesn't mean he's done with you, and it doesn't mean you're done. It means that you need to get up and you need to receive his cleansing. You need to receive his healing. You need to receive his restoration. And you need to get back in the game. It's always a struggle. But it certainly does help when you know that Jesus is interceding for you. But there's a second thing I want you to see here that I believe over time helped Peter regain his strength. And I think it does for many of us as well whenever we find ourselves looking back. Any of you all ever had this experience you go through a period in your life and you struggle and you fight and you', you uh, 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 why in the world is this going on? God? What are you doing? Why, are you paying attention? or are you asleep up there, right? You, you ever go through that? And then all of a sudden you're on the other end of it, and you look back and say, "Oh, I get it now. There's a reason why we have that old saying that hindsight's 2020 is because when we look back, sometimes we can see what God was up to. We can see why things were happening the way they were happening, what God was doing, what he was trying to do or accomplish in our lives. And, and I think that that's true in Peter's life. As he looked back on that night, he saw the precise timing of God. What I'm talking about is his failure and the cock crowing. Because, see, the Lord had told him this is what was going to happen. Jesus foretold the crowing of that rooster. Now, you know, Listen. There's just not a whole lot good we can say about roosters, is there? They're sorry to eat, stringy, tough. The only good things I can say about a rooster is they get up early and, and they do what they're designed to do. They do it without praise. And, and I'll, I'll even say this for them. Sometimes they do their job even though they get criticized very soundly for it. If you've ever been awakened by a rooster, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. But one of the great things about a rooster is this. They proclaim the good news every day. The sun's coming up. There's another day. You've got another opportunity to get it right. Screw up. Another great thing about roosters, unlike us, is they never seem to get bored with the same routine. They do it over and over and over. But God used the rooster. He used the rooster to bring Peter to the place of repentance. Don't think for a minute God can't use the littlest things in your life to break you because he can. And in fact, I'll just go this far, and I've told this to my children before. Why don't you let God break you using the little things instead of making him get to the big things in your life? Sometimes it's better to be broken with the little things than it is to wait until he has to get to the big stuff to get our attention. And here's this rooster, and he crows right on time. The Lord told him, listen, you can go back and read it. Peter had told him, said, the Lord told him, said, look, you're going to deny me. No way. Bring it on. Not me. I am your numero uno fan, Jesus. No way I'm going to deny you. No way I'm going to forsake you. No way I'm going to turn on you. Somebody else may betray you, but not me. I'll go to prison. With I'll even die for you. Jesus said, oh, Peter, Peter, Peter. I know it always got my attention when my parents would call me three times. Oh, Tim, Tim, Tim. And I just hear Jesus talking to him. Oh, Peter, I love you so much, man. And I love your spirit and I love your, your courage and I love your optimism. Before the rooster crows in the morning, three times, man. Three times you're going to betray me. And then we read about it. And He did. He did. He betrayed the Lord three different times. And we read that in the moment of that third betrayal, I mean, the words were just getting out of his mouth. And he heard the cock crow in the distance. Now, You know what, probably throughout the course of the night with everything that was going on, and it had been a busy night. I mean, you can read all about it in the Gospels. They'd gone from the upper room, they'd crossed the valley, they'd gone into the garden, Jesus had prayed, the others had taken a nap. And then in the darkness, here came this mob of people with torches and soldiers, and you could hear the rattling of their weapons, and they arrested Jesus, and they took him, and there was confrontation in the garden. I mean, all kinds of stuff was going on, and I, it probably his mind was, was scattered. He had forgotten all about that conversation with Jesus, and, and people are pointing fingers at him and saying, You're one of them. You, you were with him. You, you came from Galilee. And he's denying and denying and denying, and then he hears that rooster crow, and it's like, Oh, my word. I just did it the very thing I told God I wouldn't do I did you ever had that feeling the very thing I told God I wouldn't I did I think all of us would have to say yes and the cock crowed in that instant and he remembered that conversation Sometimes God works things out so precisely in our lives. His timing is so perfect. And sometimes it's wonderful. And other times it's heartbreaking. But I think when you put this together, you've got the second key to Peter being strong. And I think for us, this is something we ought to hold on to. And it ought to help us to stay strong as well because we need to understand something. God's timing is always perfect. Always perfect. We may not understand it, and it may not make sense to us in the present. When we think, well, why is this happening? Why now? You know, we're not the only ones to struggle with this. There's no hymn that says we'll understand it better by and by. And what that means is when we get on the other side of this and we can look back, then it'll make sense. See, people have been struggling with this forever, but God has his ways. And that rooster crowing in that precise moment of that third denial, that was God's precise timing. It was as if that that word coming out of his mouth and the sound of that rooster, it was like all of that just came together so that Peter would realize Jesus really is God. He really is who he says he is. We need to remember that. But there's a third truth. There's a third key to staying strong. And to me, it's the most painful one. But it's the master's gaze. You see, right on the heels of that denial, right on the heels of that rooster crowing, Luke tells us the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. In the midst of everything else that was happening in Jesus' life, he was still thinking about his friend. He was, he was looking for Peter. Peter. Jesus knew everything that was coming he understood he was going to be beaten he understood he was going to be mocked he understood he was going to be crucified he had already told his disciples that I must go and suffer and die he knew what was coming and yet in that moment he wasn't concerned about himself he was concerned about his friend Peter and he turned and he looked straight at Peter. Man, I just want to tell you something. I can't read verse 61 without getting a chill up and down my spine, wondering what, what was that look like? What did that look at Peter communicate? Was it a, a look of rebuke or pity or of grief or sorrow or a look of shame, a look of love, compassion? What, what was the heart of Jesus communicating to Peter through that one powerful glance? We don't know for sure. But it broke Peter's heart. And he went outside and wept bitterly. When's the last time you wept over your sin? I don't mean you wept because you got caught in something. I'm talking about you wept over your sin because you knew that it broke the heart of Jesus. We've grown a little bit callous, folks, and we've grown a little accepting of sin. Peter saw his sin in that glance. And it drove him out into the night in sorrow. Now, I do believe that the keys to staying strong are revealed here. It's knowing the Lord is interceding for us. It's knowing that God has a plan and His timing and His plan is perfect and it's all going to work out according to what He has laid out for our lives. And it's the awareness that He's always watching. He's looking at us. He knows where we are. He knows what we're doing. He knows our thoughts. He knows our attitudes. He knows our actions. And I think we all need to be reminded of those things. But before I can quit which I am going to do. I want to take you back. And I want to show you where Peter's problem began. Because, see, this, for me, is what I always struggle with. You know, how how can I keep from stepping in this trap? How can I keep from doing the same things I've done before? How can I keep from walking into the same trap that someone else has walked into before me? How do I do that? You have to know where the danger is, don't you? Okay. I'm going to show you where the danger is. Are you ready? If you've got your Bible, I want you to look in verse 22 or chapter 22 and i want you to look at verse 54 then seizing jesus they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest and peter followed at a distance did you hear that Peter followed at a distance. Friends, when we let distance grow between us and Jesus, we're at risk. When we're not walking with him, we become easy prey for the enemy. How close are you to Jesus today? Are you walking right with him? Are you following at a distance? Did you come in here saying, you know what, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to do my my church thing. I'm going to do my Christian thing. But when I go out and I go to work tomorrow, you know, I, I don't have to let anybody know what I'm about. are you going to walk right with him? I'm convinced that on the day Peter denied Jesus, he probably felt lower than he had ever felt in his life. There is no mistaking the fact that Peter was down, but Peter was not out because the love of Christ was going to draw him back to his rightful place. The Lord had already given him him hope, telling him that he had prayed for him, that he would be restored to his place of work in the kingdom. And and Peter was set on that path. And it all happened with with intercession. It happened with the noise of a rooster. It happened with a a gaze from from the master. Some of us today in this room are following at a distance. I just want you to know if if that's you. And I'm not asking you to show your hand or anything. But I want you to know if you're looking in your own heart right now and you say, that's me. I want you to know something. You're in danger. You have cut yourself off. Separated yourself from your security, your safety, and your Savior. And you have made yourself easy prey for the enemy. But I got good news for you. He has a plan for your life. He is interceding for you. And He's watching you. Brothers and sisters, get close. Draw in close to Him and stay next to the Savior. It's the safest place you can be. If you're here this morning and you don't know Him, you're saying, well, I've heard about this Jesus guy, but I don't know Him as a Savior. I'm not even sure what that word means. I want you to know something. God brought you here this morning. You may not realize it, you may not know it, and you may not know why, but I'm telling you, he brought you here this morning because he wanted to have a meeting with you. And today he may be speaking to you and saying, I want you. And there's something inside of you saying, I want to know more about this Jesus. That's why we're here. We want you to know that there is a God. And that God loves you and me so much That when we were lost and dying and dead in our sins, he sent his son to take our place. To pay the price for our sins so that we could be redeemed. Purchased from sin and death and given to him in life and victory. And today he offers you that life if you'll receive it. The question is, what are you going to do? This is your day. This is your moment. Brothers and sisters in Christ... The keys to staying strong are found in the Word of God, and it's all about Jesus. And my friend, if you don't know Him, the key to life is found in Scripture, and it's all about Jesus. So what do you need? Why are you here? What did He bring you here to say to you today? I hope you're listening. Because I'm convinced he's speaking. Let's bow our heads together. just a moment, we're going to stand together and sing a song of invitation. And what that simply means is this. I am extending to you an invitation to draw near to him. I am extending to you an invitation to become a child of God by coming to Jesus in repentance and faith today. What will you do? choice is yours. It's not about me. It's not about this church. This is about you and Jesus. It's not about anything that I can do for you. It's about everything that Jesus has already done for you. Will you call on him? Father, I thank you for your word. and I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for the love that's revealed as we look and see how he has worked and is working. Father, today we came into this place, some struggling and hurting, some looking for hope and encouragement, some just needing to be assured of their place with you. And Father, here we are. Your word tells us about a Jesus who loved so much that even when he was preparing for the the greatest suffering that's ever been experienced by any person, he still was looking at and loving on his friend. He prayed for him. He prayed for us. And today, in this moment, we have the opportunity to see those prayers fleshed out. Father, I pray right now for us in this room, for those who are your children, that they would not follow at a distance, but today they would commit their hearts and lives to walking near to you, following closely so that they can hear and they can see and they can know what you're doing and be used by you. But Father, I'm convinced there's some who came in this room today. They don't have a relationship with you. Uh, they, maybe they've been in church. They know the words. They can say some of the right things. But they've never surrendered. They've never turned loose and said, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. Today, they know they need to. Today, they want to. Today, the enemy is going to try to stop them. Father, I pray for them. Break down the walls. Draw them to yourself. That this might be the day of salvation. Father, whatever you desire to do in our lives, do it. Be glorified in the lives of your people. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.